Welcome to The Expert's Blueprint, the podcast that speaks to experts in their field to unlock their blueprint to success so that you can discover the clues that will lead to your own blueprint to make your life the way you want it. From top-level athletes, high-performing business owners, health professionals, and people doing amazing things, this podcast is your guide to success. I'm your host, Tim Beanland. Let's get into the show today, and let's go. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Good to be here, Tim. Yeah. So you're the CEO of a company called Sonnet. Yes. Um, Really powerful in the artificial intelligence but transcribing area. Um, Want to start this podcast off with an impact question and we'll get into what the tool is and, and what it is but what is the most powerful area that you've seen that Sonnet is doing um, that you're really, really pumped about? So discovery and promotion is the area where Sonnet's really coming into its own for digital content. Um, one of the areas where it's been most powerful is we've had an organisation that's gone into content creation and what it's been able to do is to be able to take that content and find audience that's really targeted to that content, that's looking for topics and relevance from that content and engage with that audience. So the ability to unpack everything from within an audio file, what's in there, what topics, what subjects, and then reach an audience that are, is interested in those topics, those subjects, uh, provides this contextual relevance. And what that's done through promotion is it's driven traffic to that company. So that is the most powerful part of Sonnet to date and it proves that the AI engine works. Yeah, so getting more out of your content. Absolutely. Using it to its, its powerful de- degree, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, so let's backtrack and, and talk about what is it, what what is Sonnet, what does it do? Um, and yeah, what uh, the little bit of the, yeah, just the, the detail of it. So the whole idea with um, Sonnet is that you've got an audio file which traditionally has uh, locked up a whole range of metadata, a whole range of heuristics that's stuck in this file on a hard drive somewhere. What Sonnet said is there's a lot of value in that. Let's unpack it all. So the first thing you do is you turn the voice into text and you turn it into a transcript. If you've got video, you overlay the captions. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, For people from the deaf and hard of hearing community, it makes the content accessible. Um, For Google, it makes it crawlable. So all of a sudden you've got this level of discovery that you hadn't had previously. It was locked up. If I was talking about, uh, you know, Ferrari Testarossa, Google doesn't know that it's happening. But if you transcribe it, caption it, all of a sudden it becomes discoverable. The next thing is you've got this contextualization of topics and subjects. So now we know it's a Ferrari Testarossa. We're talking about cars. We might be talking about sports cars, might be Italian cars, might be racing. There's a whole range of topics that uh, are within this particular discussion that once we know what they are, and this is what Sonnet does using artificial intelligence, is it starts to be able to say, oh, these are the topics, these are the subjects, and you can promote that to people who are interested in it. The next level of it is saying, okay, well, we know that there's some topics and subjects in there. Were they talking about these things favourably? So we can look at the sentiment. Um, 
then we can do a range of workflow tools that says, I want a summary of what was being talked about so I can promote it on Twitter or LinkedIn. And so there's about 42 different ways you can start to, well, we've identified today, you can start to slice and dice this file and get it to a bigger audience and, uh, you know, more targeted audience. What I'm interested there is Google crawling and voice is coming. Voices is the next thing that people are going to be searching. Hey, Google, find me this. Sorry if you're listening in the car and I've just put your Google off. But it's coming and we know that. I'm talking to an SEO guy on Tuesday about this and I'm about to create a video for my website. I didn't even think about subtitling that because I thought, oh, they're on the website, they're going to click on it, they're going to hear the sound anyway. Yes. But I'd be, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd be losing some SEO points if I didn't subtitle that. 100%. So think of video and audio like the new blog post. Instead of typing it in, um, Sonnet listens to it, does all that typing for you and then looks at the SEO possibilities, your top line metadata tags, uh, all the different hashtags or all the different tags that might be within that. And we're automating this whole SEO uh, formatting. So you go, I upload my audio file, everything's done for me, I embed it into my website, it's immediately crawled and crawlable by Google. So not just the power of unlocking all the SEO, but the automation so that you don't have to learn anything new, you just embed it and that becomes part of your SEO package. Mm. Something I'm strong with telling people in the video marketing space or the marketing content, content marketing space is picking a format that works for you. For me, I love video. I love talking to you right now through video. Yes, I'm also doing this in an audio format and someone's maybe in the car, but you're going to see the video of this. And... That's what I com- I'm comfortable with. I shot a number of videos coming here, like of me putting gear in the car, me setting up, but that's what I do. Someone else is more comfortable with writing blogs and they love that. But I'm never going to actually sit down and write a blog yep. because my English is terrible. <laughs> my, my partner's a school teacher. She looks at what I've written and goes, how did you pass English? <laughs> <laughs> so what can Sonnet do in that? that instance for me who sucks at writing? So, again, taking what is a conversation um, and turning that into something that's, uh, you know, relatively grammatically accurate um, and giving you uh, the transcript and maybe creating snippets from within that. So, again, you don't have to write anything down. You might say, oh, that was a really interesting topic, find me where we were talking about, again, if I use the Ferrari example, the the Testarossa, and go, I'm only interested in this two-minute segment, Um, and then Sonnet turns that into a written blog. So you've got the blog there all ready to go. It's as much a copy and paste, maybe checked for all the words have come across through the AI accurately uh, because sometimes it can be hit and miss, um, and just turn that straight into a blog. So you don't have to worry about writing it. You've already done it through conversation. So it can write the blog for me? Yes. We've obviously, I I go back and I check and I I might turn some things, change some things. We talk a little bit different than we write. You know, when I say goodbye to you, I'm not going to say we've kind of guards. Yes, yeah. (laughs) And you may not write that for a blog either. Yeah. So, again, 
if you're looking for the power of the blog is to engage the audience, then it's sort of our contention that the audience is interested in really only two things when it comes to content. They're interested in the talent and so you've got your own followers, they're interested in Tim and your podcast um, or you've got the topic. They might come to you because you've got a topic that is really interesting to them. But if you haven't blogged it, if you haven't written it down, if you haven't put it into SEO, then they can't discover it in the first place. And so that's the thing that Sonnen's solving for people is, okay, we know there's talent out there. I'm going to follow Hamish and Andy or Tim Beanland or whoever, um, but I don't know what they're talking about. And that's what we really want to connect with people, this contextual relevance. Mm, Definitely. So I want to get a little bit of your background as well, um, where you've come from. You're also a fellow podcaster too. Um, but, yeah, where, what, what's, the, what's been the journey for, for you? I mean, you can start from, from uni days or? I um, started as a lawyer. Um, so did practice law for about eight years and during the dot-com boom of the early 2000s um, went from one of the big battery hen house law firms um, in-house to a company uh, that was bought by British Telecom. So I ended up being an in-house lawyer for British Telecom in London, uh, then came back to Australia, did that for about six months in Telstra and five days before my 30th birthday thought, if this is what my future looks like, I've got a, I've got a problem. So I just quit. I started a company that became a software company Uh, focused on telecommunications. It was a big data company. Uh, Did that for 10 years. That exited and was on the ASX, on the stock market. And then I started something called Marketplace Ventures, which was focused on more startups and incubating startups. And Sonnet's just probably the about the fifth or sixth company to to come through that. Now I've moved permanently to focus all my energies on Sonnet. But I suppose the last 20 years have been sort of uh, digital software and artificial intelligence companies. Yeah, wow. So if you were to go back 10 years and give yourself some advice about running businesses, um, you, would have le- you would have picked up some, some really cool stuff listing on the market, like that's, that's big level business. Yeah, what would, you, what would you tell yourself at that 30-year-old point? Well, people are obviously the key to business. So probably managing people better. So the skills around management and leadership have probably taken me, you know, a good decade to really not master but get better at. And I suppose the, um, the thing that I've learned is that a lot of my time these days is not actually working on the tools but leading people. And so probably I'd go back and say less time on the tools, more time in the leadership role. Yeah, it's one of the things. Um, last year was hard for everyone, um, but for me, I started my first business last year, first year, and into the teeth into of a the global teeth. pandemic. Yeah. Nice effort, Tim. Thank you. But I, um, I struggled because I failed to build out systems, processes, and other people in the business as well. I was doing, I was on the tools and doing everything myself. So. That lesson there where you're saying get off the tools and get people that can be around you because there's this solopreneur thing that people yep. talk about and really no successful business is built by one person. Is Would you agree? I'd agree. And 
for those who um, sort of are experiencing the things you experienced last year, I think one of the seminal books in the the space is Michael Gerber's uh, The E-Myth Revisited, which talks very much about um, uh, systemising and processing or creating processes so you can actually step out off the tools, let others step in, you can focus on the strategy that grows the business. So, You know, it's cool. My, my uncle, Martin, um, he is a mortgage broker from an army background and he's, he's sent me that book. Um, I know he'll be listening to this podcast and we've had strong conversations about systems and processes and building redundancy, but he's, um, yeah, uh, give me that book as well. <laughs> give me that book. And that was a long time ago. I don't know if you remember sending it to me, but it's interesting having conversation with me last week and then you bring that book up. Might be time to have a read of it. It's a very, very useful book to sort of maybe not help you actually create the processes themselves, but to give you that uh, thought process about, oh, how do I actually grow a business? Yeah. Um, so that if an alien came into my business tomorrow, and I had to get them to do something, I had a process that they could follow that meant they could start doing it straight away. And I've tried to get better at that as well. And does that help you? Sorry. Does that help you then train people and and effectively get someone from, I know they've got talent, I know they've sort of hired them for a reason, but get them through that first two, three-week stage and how to hire someone if you've if, got the process? I don't know if it helps you hire any better or worse. But it's certainly, I mean, if, if it's a process-driven role, it doesn't necessarily help you hire better, but it helps them get to work more effectively. It helps them start more effectively, helps give them a roadmap of what they're following. And more importantly, if you're, you know, trying to grow a business and you're the sort of founder and the CEO and the marketer and doing all these things, it doesn't take away 100% of your time where you constantly have to train. Yes, you want to invest in that person as much as possible, but you also want to cut the cord so they can be empowered to start growing their own responsibilities within a company. And if you've got a process that they can follow, um, get their teeth into and evolve, then that's a much better start than sitting with them going, well, this is what you do here and if that happens and they're constantly saying, I've done this, what do I do next? So it's really also about freeing up the CEO um, to help spend time on that person's skill set and turning them into a better person, uh, which I've sort of realised is more important than um, turning them into a better worker. If you help turn them, give them the tools to turn into a better person, they become a better employee and worker by virtue of that. Yeah, awesome. Um so I want to get back to Sonnet. Uh, you guys are in a beta phase now. You've gone through um, big changes. It has been around for how long? Um, have you it's really been about, back when it was the green? Probably branding. about two two years. Yep. Yeah. Mm. So I want to talk a little bit about the the beta and um, where you're at at the moment and also how I'm using it. So uh, for me it's about getting the at a base level, I haven't gone, I will start doing the blogs and what we talked about before. But right now it's, I've got a two-minute clip from the podcast that I want to put on social media. I understand the power of subtitles and the need for subtitles. Um, so I put the file in and then it does, does subtitles for Automatically. Me. Automatically. Yep. So that's how I'm using it. Yep. And 
honestly, to yeah, people listening along, that's yeah, really cool. So within that and the podcasting space, because I know that's an area you're going into, just expand in terms of your thinking that's that's a little bit further than just my base thing. Yeah. Um, so sure. Yeah. So first of all, we have these experiments that we've done covering those 42 different areas and podcasting is really central to that. Um, the other thing that happened is Southern Cross Stereo, who had the podcast one um, suite of um, podcasts invested in Sonnet uh, because they saw the potential that these tools can help with their own content discovery um, and uh, content promotional activities. So, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is Imagine that you um, listen to a podcast or a suite of podcasts and, you know, imagine you follow a football team, so, you know, say Collingwood Football Club. Every time someone talks about Collingwood Football Club, the system goes, oh, that's Collingwood Football Club, uh, creates a little snippet and emails it to you or gives you a notification that that topic's come up. So you may not be interested so much in the whole show you might only be interested in this particular piece of content. So that's one way of connecting with an audience more effectively and taking content and using it really well. Another way is um, looking at all your archive of content and making sure that that has long-term value because a lot of the stuff that podcasters do isn't uh, about today's news. It's about stuff that is relevant for a long period of time. So if I've got some stuff that I've talked about and something relevant comes up, so, you know, a couple of days ago um, Prince Philip passed away, if I'd have talked to someone about Prince Philip, it's a great opportunity to reach back into that, pull it out and say, oh, look, I talked about or with Prince Philip or, you know, a royal uh, writer about Prince Philip three years ago. If you want to listen to this piece, here it is. and. Wow. Your promotional stuff's written, uh, the text is already there, you've got a really easy way to promote it on the different digital channels to your audience um, and we're calling that archival revival. So there's a whole range of different promotional tools that you can use. Well, the other thing that's cool about that is I'll remember when I go back and edit this, the clips that I want, like I'll, you know, I am still may watch, I will watch the whole thing to actually find them but... I want to get that clip about processing out as soon as possible. I can upload this file once I've edited it and put the put the pieces together, but I could upload just the audio file and then type systems and processes. Now I'll have the time code yes. to where that is, right? Yep. Yeah. So you've got uh, a whole range of really, you know, specific production tools that you'd expect from any kind of... Um, editing suite to be able to go, oh, here's a nice little piece of content. I want to create a snippet and publish that out. But now you've got these search tools as well. So I want to find the moment where uh, Tim talked about, uh, you know, NASA. All I'd have to do is type in NASA and I've got all the instances where NASA was talked about within however long the clip is. So you've, again, got these time-saving tools and you go, well, I want to now do a little promotional piece around NASA, clip it, promote it, got my captions, got my transcript. But in three years' time, if there's something that happens around NASA, you've got this 
uh, automation to go, hey, NASA's really trending again today. You talked about NASA uh, three years ago. Here's that piece that you can promote, drag audience back in and to that piece of content, which previously was just locked away. Once it was on the shelf, it was done. Now, again, this archival revival, you've got another way to continue to get value from this content that you created historically. Well, repurpose and if you have a bank of all your content, you can just find that really quickly. So quickly. So so one of the things that I've done, a client that I've been working with, he does a lot of keynote speaking. We've put up (coughs) videos of his keynotes that he did you know, two years ago. Um, we put them out last year. They did okay. But we put them out again. We've recycled it and he's got more engagement than he's ever got on videos. Um, he's got messages when they're just starting to do keynote again. And that's from the archival revival that we're talking about. We've gone back and realised, oh, people are starting to do networking again. Yep. So let's put that video. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's the thing. I think it's a thing that people forget when it comes to content is you can put something out 12 months ago but then also put it out again. Yep. And this is another way to... And it's been traditionally really difficult to put it out again because, um, you know, if you've got a, a, a whole lot of content, you do tend to forget everything. And if you write liner notes or production notes for a show, you don't take out every keyword, every topic, every subject, and your way of classifying that might be different to someone else's way of classifying it. I mean, if you talk about accounting, someone might classify that as business or financial accounting or profit and loss. There's a whole different way of classifying it. And by using Sonnen, the uh, artificial intelligence engine is probably well, it doesn't take a break. It doesn't. It looks at things dispassionately, and it goes, "Oh, this is business. This is accounting. This is financial accounting. This is management accounting," and does all that classification for you. So nothing gets overlooked in that process. There's no need to sort of fit it down into one sentence to summarize. Uh, you can have every aspect of it that then is searchable. Mm. Um, one of the things on the website is talking about grow and growing in, in the podcast space. Um, I run a group called How to Start a Podcast where I help people start podcasts. So for someone that's wanting to start a podcast and then looking at the growth aspect, um, yeah, how can what you do help them do that? Because, I, I, yeah, it's something on the page. So are you also hosting shows on, on, on a platform? Yeah, tell, tell me a bit about that. So the grow really comes from audience acquisition, you know, how do you get people from the internet, the the whole wide world to my podcast? Um, And a lot of people start on a, you know, a fairly shoestring budget. So you don't want to spend a lot of money going out and acquiring people. How do you do it? So come back to what I'd said earlier that people are going to follow you because talent uh, or topic. So if you're starting a podcast and you don't have any sort of name or brand or goodwill, Put the talent to the side. You say, okay, I may have talent, but people don't know about it yet. You've got to go into the topics. You've got to go into what you're talking about and you've got to find people who are interested in that and hook your podcast into people who are interested in that. So if we've got a business podcast, um, okay, business is pretty broad. If we're talking about financial accounting, okay, where do financial accounting people hang out at? 
the big four accounting houses, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, they're using different hashtags on Twitter. All of a sudden, you've got this topic understanding of what you're talking about and you seek this, what we're calling contextualised relevance of targeting people who are interested in that topic. So by using Sonnet to break that all down, it becomes much easier to grab that piece of information and say, hey, financial accountants, here's something you might be interested in. That's awesome. I think it is, it is about niching it down. Um, I'm, this is the first episode, interview episode of my new podcast or title of the podcast um, to um, the expert secret or the um, expert secrets. So I've very consciously decided during this interview to ask you questions from the start that were more practical, what, what is it that you're doing, rather than a little bit of the get-to-know-you stuff. I like being a guinea pig. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're the first, um, which is really cool. And, and it's great that you said that about niching down, about being more specific, putting the talent aside and actually asking the right questions because that's how you get a good show. That's why people listen because they, they come to either solve a particular problem or be entertained. Yep. So. And the next element of that is, you know, helping improve um, the sort of dialogue in a podcast. If we know that people switch off when they hear Donald Trump or COVID-19, you know, if those words get picked up in a podcast, you know, you go, oh, actually maybe I'll edit that out because we don't call them attractors, we call them detractors. So mm. we want to get rid of um, things where energy levels fall off so we track the energy and the way people speak, um, positivity, whether they talk positively or negatively about certain topics. And over time using Sonnet, the machine learning capabilities, you can always get a sense of whether a podcast episode is going to be successful because it has the right elements in it and it's dispensed with those elements that audiences will switch off at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spot on. If I if you don't have a fun voice, if you don't have a, if you're just I'm monotone through the whole thing, it's not a good experience. No. So, but you can improve that. So, someone who's not aware of that. Absolutely. How do you yeah. know until someone tells you? And if uh, you know your audience numbers aren't growing, uh, there could be a number of different reasons. But if a system is able to say, you know what, we think your energy level dropped off, you didn't have that punchiness, um, there's something you can work on to improve your uh, your intensity, your delivery. Uh, that's a perfect tool to make sure that, well, at least if an audience member starts, I'm going to try my best to keep them engaged for the whole episode. Mm. And that helps in like not just traditional education but the education uh, online course person as well because he can he might he might have a boring course or like and his students aren't interacting because he's being monotone like he could pick that up yeah so i mean there's a lot of studies done around delivery and content and whether um if you deliver really boring content in a very exciting manner does that have more engagement than really exciting content delivered in a boring manner and the answer is Boring content delivered exceptionally well will engage much more highly than really interesting content that's delivered in a monotone. So 
Again, if you've got some indicators within the system that says your energy's dropped off, your delivery's dropped off, or at this point you were talking too quickly, or at this point you were talking too slow, all of these indicators where the human brain is hardwired to go, oh, I'll go find something different to do, um, you know, you don't want that. You want, you've got so much effort in creating a piece of content you want every piece of content to be as best as it can. Mm. That's what we're aiming to do with people. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned Austereo at the start. Um, we've talked a little bit about um, podcasting. So those are a couple of industries. But I've also seen it in Wetspot. You're working with Swinburne. You're working with uh, Vision Australia. Is it Vision Australia? Sorry. Expression Australia. Expression Australia. Sorry. Sorry, Expression Australia. That's my bad. Um, so those industries, what are the powerful things you're seeing in, in that, those sectors? So within the education <laughs> vertical, you've got this ability for a multidimensional way to engage with content. So, you know, the lecturer might be, uh, as you say, a little bit uh, dry or, or boring or there might be some areas within the lecture that you're specifically struggling with. I've fallen asleep to some really bad accounting lecturers. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had some great lecturers in, in the marketing department, which was where my degree was, but accounting, I fell asleep. I fell asleep during some Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, so <laughs> uh, anything's possible. Um, yeah, just that ability to find what you need quickly. So mm. if you don't want to watch an hour video and you can read the transcript, fantastic. If that's how you learn better, if you don't want to look at all the intro but you want to get into a specific subject, you can just search for that subject and find that that part of the lecture much more easily. If you want the notes to be able to um, revise, you can download the transcript and just have the notes. So from an education point of view, where you've got a raft of content over a semester, your ability to drill into it, dissect it in multiple different ways in a way that suits your learning style is very powerful. From the Expression Australia side, the hearing um, and impaired uh, side of things, accessibility is key. So, you know, a podcast is very difficult for people with hearing loss and deafness. Uh, giving them the transcript or the captions over a video where they can read is uh, incredibly important to make sure that every person has the same level of access to every piece of content. And whilst it's not legislated now across the board, hopefully in time there will be more and more requirements on broadcasters to make sure that content is accessible for everybody um, and, you know, we're working with Expression Australia to make sure that that content can get across to people really rapidly, again, in a format that they can digest. Mm. I'd like to give an um, example of Expression Australia but I want to go back to one I've um, been told um, by the lecturer at Swinburne um, when you were testing this and they were monotone through their lecture and they could notice that students weren't showing up. And you guys told him about that because he didn't know, you told him, and then he changed, he was a little bit more exciting and that improved um, student shop rate. Um, that was an example. Could you tell me about that one? So there was, a yeah, an example where there were, uh, was a course um, delivered by multiple lecturers and the course materials were effectively uh, the same. What we found was... Uh, the engaging delivery, the more exciting um, sort of lecturer had many more people turn up to that lecture, even though they weren't, the students weren't necessarily assigned to that class. So 
The content is the same. It's the method of delivery which people, you know, are very much attuned to. Uh, and if you're punchy and, you know, got a good energy level and engaging, people want to listen to that. Um, and so it was really important to be able to demonstrate, hey, look, you know, this person's kind of wasting their time because people aren't engaging with it. And the whole idea for delivering content at a university level is to educate. So people need to engage with this. And if we can help uh, the lecturer understand that they've got some areas to improve on, yeah, some of them aren't going to be that receptive. Some of them are going to be, in fact, pretty unhappy with that feedback. But ultimately you're there for the students' uh, wellbeing and edification. So that feedback is very useful. And then um, with Express in Australia, what are what are some cool examples that, that you've seen that have gone, yeah, this is why I'm here? So social media until recently didn't have a lot of captioning. So, you know, people upload even TikTok videos these days where captioning's not necessarily a standard feature. So for those people to engage with, you know, the wider world, the relevant world, the trending world, uh, those people with deafness and uh, hearing impairment, the ability to give them access to that content that they were otherwise sidelined from, that, that's, that for a lot of young people especially is really empowering and really important. And then you've got things like last year with COVID, a lot of the messaging that was happening. During your standard broadcast time frame, there is a requirement to caption um, content. But if that messaging came out from the government, it was late at night or there was something on Sky News or one of the other news bulletins that wasn't necessarily captured by this legislative framework, there's content that slips through the net and it may have important messaging for COVID safety. And so being able to grab this information off one of the other platforms, news channels, uh, caption it, transcribe it, give it to people who might otherwise again miss this messaging is a really important uh, avenue for disseminating information. Yeah, it's powerful to, yeah, give that person the, the sense of community, give that person the sense of being informed. Um, you, you just don't think about it if you're not in that space. And podcasting, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's all uh, audio, oral format. Um, unless you've got the captions, unless you've got the transcript, uh, people who are, are deaf just can't get any content that way and there's so much great content, uh, we just want a level playing field for everyone. Definitely. I think that's an awesome spot to leave it. Um, but I've got two more questions. Yeah, please. Um, one is, so you're currently in a beta phase at the moment. Obviously when you're in beta, getting as many people using it and feedback and that sort of thing is possible. Um are you looking for more people to join that? If so, how do people do it? Or, yeah, where, where are you at at the, the moment? Yeah, look, we're, we're happy for as many people to come and join it. Use the engine, transcribe for free as much as you want. Um, helps train our machine and the feedback helps our machine get better at understanding what people want. So sonnet.com, uh, you'll see the big sign up uh, button. Please come along and, and join. I'll uh, leave a description in the notes for that um and yeah look i did mention we didn't talk much about your podcast um let's do a quick plug for that and then how do people connect with that and and connect with you as, as well well i've got a business and entrepreneurs podcast called discipline which is uh spelt 
like discipline, but take the E and replace it with an N, so okay. double N.com. Yeah. And um, that's something that's uh, going on, sponsored by now Edison Partners. So uh, we're really trying to look for entrepreneurs to tell their story and understand how they get to this level of success, their motivations, um, how they broke through. And so it's really about telling the story about the individual more than, you know, sold a company, well done. Uh, and the other one we're launching is a Sonnet uh, podcast, which is really focused on artificial intelligence and machine learning. Look out for that. It's called Apply AI. Awesome. When that comes out and if you're listening to that in this episode in a couple months time, that will also be in the link. But, Tony, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, I've been Tim, you've been Tony, and cheers for being the expert. Thanks for having me, Tim. Been excellent. All right, there you have it, the episode with Tony. I hope you guys really enjoyed that and got a lot of value from it. If you want to learn more about Sonnet, the links will be in the description below. Now I want to talk to you guys about something exciting. We're able to keep this show running because of the amazing client work we've been doing at Been Talking. What we've been doing is helping our clients create a month's worth of content in just one short meeting. We all know that we should be creating videos, blogs, podcasts, and short-form content, and to be seen, we need to be doing it every single day. But who's got time for that? At Bean Talking, we meet with our clients once a month, fortnight, or a week. We film an interview or create their own podcast, and from that, I go away and create the entire month's catalog of videos, pictures, written quotes and articles, and even a whole podcast all professionally created and done for you with minimal work on your end. So if you want to learn how you can do that, you can contact me at tim at beantalking.com.au. The links will be below. Apart from that, if you guys love the show, a review and a subscribe, especially on iTunes, five-star written views really help out. But apart from that, I'll see you in the next episode.